We've been thinking and, and talking about uh, our, uh, our statement, our mission statement as a church, and that is that it is our mission is to lead people to know Jesus Christ and to follow him passionately. What God wants for us is to know him in a very intimate and personal way, relationally, that he would be our God, that we would be his people, his children, his family. And, um, and it doesn't stop there because then our goal is to become passionate followers of Jesus Christ. And that means the goal for every single believer is this, that they would passionately follow Christ and that looks like being like Christ. His desire is that we would be like Jesus. Can I tell you something? That that applies to everyone, not just believers. God's desire, that's why he goes out and searches for the one that's lost. uh, Because he wants to bring them into the fold. He wants to make them his people. And he wants them to become uh, passionate followers of Jesus. And that means he wants them to be like Jesus, to look like Jesus, to, st- to sound like Jesus. And um, one of the pictures that we have of what Jesus is like is in uh, Galatians 5, where we read about the, the uh, fruit of the Spirit. And that is nine different characteristics that, that show us a picture of what Jesus is really like and that God wants to make in us. So we've been going through this whole thing uh, of these nine different uh, virtues or character qualities uh, through the summer. Pastor Daniel will do the last one next, uh, next Sunday, self-control. You know, sometimes you say, I want to preach this one because this is one I need, or this is one I don't want to preach because it's really convicting. Um, so uh, that will, we'll conclude that next uh, next Sunday. But uh, when Gerda and I were not married that long, she suggested to me that I could use some improvement in today's virtue. And that was gentleness. <laughs> I don't know what her problem is. <laughs> um, so she made the suggestion that, you know, this, this might be an area that she would help me understand what God wanted for me. And, um, and, and yeah, I'm not as gentle as maybe I should be. And, and so, yeah, there, there should be room for improvement there. And, um, I, you know, how do you respond to something like that? You know, it could be the grade seven approach. I know you are, but what am I? Oh. Or it could be, yeah, well, you could use a little work in this area or something. But it's always, it's always stuck with me. Um, and maybe I'm not the most gentle person. Maybe God needs to do something there in, in, in that particular quality in my life. Um, but I, while I concede that, you know what I found? That, that a lot of us really aren't that crazy about what God wants us to be at times. Um, gentleness, gentleness. It sounds, it sounds a little wussy. Like, I need to be more gentle. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And, and so we have these, we have these pictures and these images, uh, because that word in in uh, Greek at the time of the first century 
was not used a lot. It wasn't looked at as like, this is a really good thing. You want to be gentle. No. And in in today's culture, it's the same kind of way. It's not something that is highly prized by many. Um, we, we prize people in society because they can be forceful. They can get ahead. Uh, they build their business. They've got chutzpah. They, they know how to get ahead because they go for it, and, and they just push ahead, and sometimes they have to walk over people to get there and that, that kind of thing. But they, you've got to believe in yourself. You've got to promote yourself. And, and when you think of sports, um, do you, you know, and particularly contact sports, do you want a, a guy on your hockey team who is gentle? And somebody said, no. No, I don't. Um, you know, you, you want somebody who sees the puck in the corner and is going to knock somebody flying to get at it. And t- you right? So I, yes. <laughs> and you know, it's the women who are saying that. Uh, you know, so we, we want what God wants, but some things don't look like all that attractive to us. And gentleness, it really sounds weak, and it sounds almost unmanly in a certain sense. We value strength and power and those kinds of things. And our temperament may not be that of being gentle. And the marketplace really does prize that kind of thing. Um, So, uh, gentle. Uh, we we want to look at this and ask, what's the deal with this thing? Jesus wants us to be like him, and in some way that's a reflection of being gentle. And uh, it may be seen as stifling in our lives or robbing us from achievement or, or just being weak-minded. So we want to examine this particular fruit, and um, I want to uh, help us in defining that. Uh, what, is, what is gentleness? How do we define it? One of the tough things with understanding some of uh, the, the, particularly this word in the New Testament, is that there is no word that is uh, like a one-to-one uh, ratio for, for what this word means. There's no word in English that captures what gentleness means. It's, it's a word that has such a breadth of meaning and understanding. Uh, let, me, let me give you an example. Can anybody pronounce the word that's up on the screen? It's actually a Dutch word, and it's gezellig. And gezellig, uh, if you want to ask, uh, what does gezellig mean? It's, it's like, well, you gathered together with your friend or some families and you lit some candles and there was some soft music playing in the background and you were having such delightful chatter and it was a warm environment and people just were having a good time and it felt so warm and so right and all the rest. When I looked up this word in a, in a Dutch dictionary, it was described by 20 other words. So, chazelik, just like gentleness, is not something that you can, you can say, well, gentleness is, you know, being just really meek or really, uh, really soft or something like that. And, and so what I want us to do this morning is get a little bit of understanding about what this word means. Uh, Pastor Daniel said something the other week. He said, you know, 
um, the, all the terms that we have in the nine fruit of the Spirit, um, notice also it's, it's fruit. It's kind of singular. It's, it, they're all a collective, and we don't choose which one we like or which one our wife would like us to choose. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm going to get it when I get home. Uh, it's, it's, there's, there's a bleed through from one to another. They, they, they're not so segregated, but there's a bit of each in them. For instance, in the fruit of the Spirit, one of the great, great uh, virtues that is spoken plenty about in the Bible is the virtue of humility. It's not in the list. But that doesn't mean it's not there. So I want to give you some, some nuances uh, from what this means. It's translated gentleness. In some of the older translations, they prefer to use the term meekness, meek. Um, and, and, but I'm going to give you some more words um, that are used to describe this and, and, and give us a bigger picture of what it's like. Um, one is humility, Humility. Um, in fact, in some places in our English Bible, humility is translated for this word gentleness. It's inserted in there. They, the the, the uh, interpreters felt like that's really the essence of what that means. Uh, so there's humility and there's friendliness. And it's being pleasant or calm or this quiet composure. Or how about this one? Forbearance, like you're putting up with stuff and patience you're, you're, you're not responding harshly to things. Uh, you're considerate, submissive, and it's power under control. So you see there's a real breadth of what this word really means, far, far beyond just being uh, gentle as we understand gentle. And uh, so let me, th- let me tell you some things about what it's not. Uh, the opposite of that, it's not bragging and bravado. It's not aggressiveness. It's not hostile. It's, it's, um, it's not dominant. It's not this air of superiority that I'm better than you are, or I've achieved, achieved more. Uh, it's not a being abusive. It's not bullying. It's not arrogant. It's not violent. It's not proud. It's not belligerent. Are you getting a bigger sense of what it's not and what it is? So when we see people who get their own way by bullying... We see, we understand that that person is not a gentle person. That person doesn't understand what this is all about. Who can get something because they have the power to do it. Who can force you to something because they can. People who are consumed with self. People who are proud. Braggarts. They think they're better than others. That's not gentleness. People who are intolerant of others and struggle uh, and their struggles, and people who are angry know nothing about gentleness. The Holy Spirit, see, is seeking to form us and mold us and and make us uh, into the image of Jesus, which would be to endue us with this virtue of gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit, um, and it's based on the character of God himself. Uh, and, and though God, being God, exercises all power and justice and uh, reigns over sin and, and is, is a, a judge, 
at the same time, we also see that God himself is uh, gentle. The gentleness of God. I want to just show you a, a few scriptures and help you see this picture of God who is gentle. Isaiah 40, see the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty war, uh, arm. See his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. You see the power and the strength of God, but, but go, he goes on. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads the, those who have young Do you see that picture of this caring, loving shepherd holding that little lamb to his chest? How about Psalm 103? As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're we're dust, gently dealing with us. How about Hosea? This This is beautiful from Hosea chapter 11. The Lord says, when Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. The more they were called, the more they went away from me, sadly. They sacrificed to Baals and they burned incense to images. But it was I who taught Ephraim to walk, taking them by the arms. Can you see it? You know, your little toddler and they take your finger and they walk. He said, God, God said, I, I took you, I taught you how to walk, I, I, I provided for you and cared for you, but they didn't realize that it was I who healed them. I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them, I was like one who lifts a child to the cheek and bent down to feed them. What a beautiful picture. God, who's a gentle God, a caring God, a loving God, Um, let, me, let, me, let me just relate another instance. A high, uh, high energy, high uh, stakes encounter that uh, the prophet Elijah had with the prophets of Baal. And God gave a victory over the 450 prophets of Baal. God spoke and consumed um, an offering. And uh, Elijah got afraid. And he ran, he ran for his life. He went hundreds of kilometers away to the south, to the the desert. And and there God met him. God met him at Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. He went so far away. And and God said, uh, God showed up and, and there was this great wind that was shattering mountains. But it says God was not in the wind. And there was this incredible earthquake that shook the the earth and and the ground around him, but God wasn't in that. And there was fire, but God wasn't in that. And then he says this, but there came a gentle whisper. God, a gentle whisper, a quiet, compassionate, caring, loving um, expression of God. But not only is the Father so There's a gentleness in Jesus, and we see that very clearly in his ministry. When he comes to earth, he comes as a helpless baby, not as a human being full grown. He comes as a a baby. The creator is there dependent on on a human mother and father to care for him and lived in such a modest dwelling. We see Jesus with the children 
and, and uh, the disciples and others are trying to shoo them away. Jesus is too important for children. But there was something about Jesus that was just like a magnet. He, they, they drew, he drew them, uh, the children, to himself. And in their attempt to draw him away, Jesus rebukes them. And he welcomes them to come. It says in Mark 10, And he took the children in his arms, and he placed his hands on them and blessed them. Jesus did not come on a white charger to make war. Instead, we're told at at, uh, his triumphal entry that it says, Say to daughter of Zion, See your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So unpretentious, there he is, uh, gentle. He comes gently to them, to their accolades. And, and the ministry uh, was extended to people who were hurting, people who were struggling. It says this, um, that uh, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges Jesus would say in Matthew 11, uh, uh, he said this, Come unto me, all you who labor and burden. I'll give you rest because I'm gentle. I'm humble. And, and I'll, I'll put my yoke on you. It'll be light. I'll take care of you. There was a woman who was caught in adultery. And if there's a woman caught in adultery, there had to be a man caught in adultery, right? Which we hear nothing about. Something is not fair about this. And this became a test case for the, uh, the religious leaders to see if they could ca- catch Jesus. And they said to him, okay, Jesus, we've got this woman. She was caught in the act of adultery. And uh, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says uh, uh, she should be stoned. And Jesus got down and started writing in the dirt. I, we don't, we're not told what he's writing. He's writing something, and he says, well, um, whichever one of you is, uh, is without sin, you cast the first stone. He continued down there. And when he looked up, one by one they had left. And here he was standing uh, alone with this woman. And he said, where are your accusers? He said, they've all left, sir. He said, I don't condemn you either. Now go your way and don't sin anymore. Something about the gentleness of Jesus who's inviting uh, people who, who are sinners, inviting them into a close relationship, helping them, forgiving them. Uh, behold, here's Jesus hanging on the cross. And what a beautiful picture of his love and gentleness. In the agony of the cross, he looks down and he sees his mother there. And he says, woman, behold your son. And then he said, saw John, and he said, John, behold your mother. I want you to take care of my mom. When I'm gone, take care of her, will you? What a God who thought of that in his hour of agony. How beautiful that was. That was his life, one of gentleness and self-control. There wasn't vengeful or bombastic or anger or aggression. And his life is a model for us of what it means to be gentle. So I want us to look just for a few minutes at the expression of gentleness. What, what does that look like? Um, 
and I want to go through just a couple of things that you have in your uh, bulletin if you want to write them down. The first thing is it's key for relationships, good relationships. Uh, why, do we, why do we find relationships so difficult, so hard? Why is it that having a happy marriage or having, uh, having uh, you know, a peaceful home where people aren't going at each other and the kids are fighting and the parents are fighting or you've got issues at work or in the neighborhood or something like this, why, why can't we function more happily? Well, because we're broken and we're flawed and, and at the core we're selfish and we have all kinds of nasty things inside us and, and part of our fallen sinful nature makes having good relationships so difficult. And uh, that break in relationship that comes and the strife that we can have and the angry words and no talking and no communication are terrible things. Um, oftentimes, uh, doing a marriage ceremony, I will read... Uh, three verses from Colossians chapter 3 that I think really catch the essence of when we talk about how do they have a happy marriage? How do they have a good relationship with each other? And um, in Colossians three twelve to 14, it says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself. It's like, I want you to put on a garment. And this is what the garment is. Close yourself with, uh, with compassion and kindness and humility. And there it is, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. He says here in the midst of this, if you want to have good relationships, you need to, you need to have these kind of virtues that we're talking about. And when we talked about this, we see right in the middle of gen, uh, there's gentleness. Well, gentleness, one of, the, one of the translations for that word is humility, and there's kindness, and there's patience, which we talked about, and forbearance, and, uh, and, and he goes on to... Uh, say, and then put up with one another and forgive each other. If you've got a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you and over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together. So you want a good relationship. Core to that is all these virtues. And those are so much of those are summed up in kindness that over and over in the Bible again, uh, excuse me, uh, gentleness, that, that we're told to be gentle, to have this kind of attitude. And um, what a beautiful thing when the fruit of the Spirit bears this in our life, that we see it lived out, and it can radically change our relationships because we're the person that we want to be. And listen, if you're in a marriage and it's, it's not working very well, Somebody needs to take the initiative and begin to live out these virtues. That if you live out these virtues and, and this gentleness, uh, you can, you can uh, transform your marriage. Allow the Spirit to work in you. Surrender, which is another thing, to surrender and submit to God's will in, in gentleness. Well, another one we have here, it's uh, expressed in being teachable. Um, 
a human flaw is to be proud and arrogant and headstrong and in many cases unteachable. When I was uh, a, a teenager, I decided I would buy a car. My friend had a sports car. I was going to buy a sports car. My friend's father was a mechanic. My father was not a mechanic. And I got this car and I took it to my friend's dad. It was a Triumph GT6 Plus, hard coupe, okay? It was, I thought it was really hot. It was a piece of garbage. <laughs> my friend's father said, oh, Kevin, he said, I, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get this vehicle. But I wasn't teachable. Now, thank you, Mr. Hardy, and then I went and bought it. You know, so why are you going to ask if you're not going to, you know, take the, 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 the advice you're given? And, and uh, it, it, you know, it was so bad that at Guelph British Motors, they knew my voice on the phone. Can you send a tow truck to tow my car in or something like that? You know, in Proverbs, it says, uh, in Proverbs 1, Listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Don't forsake your mother's teaching. Wisdom and knowledge and discernment and blessing, all these come when you allow wise people to speak into your life and to teach you. Well, if you're going to be teachable, you need to have a, a humble spirit. You need to have a teachable spirit. And um, it's, it's important for us to get to that place. Um, and I need to be instructed. I need help to grow. And uh, in James 1 uh, 19 to 21 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. That's the opposite of being gentle, okay? Um, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. You need to take and allow that. See the word humble yourself? You know what that word is? That's gentle. In gentleness, accept God's word planted in you. In, in, in gentleness, in humility, in submission, allow God's word which is implanted in you to do its work. He wants to teach you. He doesn't want you to stay where you are. And, and if you're going to be that kind of person, you're going to have to be uh, gentle, open, thoughtful in that way. And uh, if you do that, you'll have a teachable spirit and God will bless your life. Well, something else that it's uh, good for, and that is uh, for correction. Uh, we need to, we, people need to be corrected at times. It's difficult. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Second Corinthians is dealing with people who don't like him, they're, they're bringing false doctrine, they're speaking lies against him, and he's got to correct them and help them and, and get them on the right path. And uh, it was a difficult situation for him, and uh, he's got a tough issue. Uh, th there are people that have infiltrated, and they're, they're harmful. And uh, here's what he says. By the humility and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face-to-face -face with you, but bold uh, went away. This is what their claim. When, when that little Paul comes, oh, he, he, he seems to be so bold, but when he heads off and sends a letter, you know, he's a wussy. 
No, it's, it's not that case. He said, look at this. I, I want to, by the humility and gentleness of Christ, I want to appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face-to-face, but bold uh, when, when turning away from you, I beg that when I come, I may not have to be so bold as I expect towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. He said, but my approach to you is in humility and gentleness. Hey, if you, if you have to correct someone, how do you do that? Um, a while ago, I heard a woman coming absolutely unglued at her kid. Little kid, uh, a little bigger than a toddler, and I don't know what the kid had did. And the mother was like, it was, I was embarrassing. I was embarrassed for her. She's just going at this kid, and I'm thinking, what's that going to do? Demor- it'll demoralize the kid. You know, that's not helpful. And, and Paul says to us here, it's in humility and gentleness that we correct others. And, and you know, it's so much easier when you use that to get a hearing. And if you're not a gentle person, if you don't have that demeanor, uh, you're going to be like me when my wife said, I think that could be an area you could work on a bit. Um, and you get your back up and say, yeah, I... You don't tell me what to do, and, and that just is not teachable. And we want to be what God wants us to be. We're going to have to be teachable, and he wants to correct us. And uh, the next one is uh, gentleness is expressed in restoration. I, I had a person come to me who had uh, committed adultery, and uh, he was broken, uh, he, was, he had brought pain and shame and everything else on his wife, on his family. Uh, it, it was uh, so difficult, what he had caused his family, the potential financial hardship that they were going to endure. And, uh, you know, how, how do you deal with something like that? And, and I think that the attitude sometimes is, as well, you dirty, rotten sinner, what you've done is inexcusable. And, you know, and how, how do you deal with that? Um, I mean, it's, sure, it's terrible. Sure, it, it hurts people terribly. But how do, you, how do you handle that? Can you restore someone like that? Well, we're, we're in Galatians 5, but in Galatians 6, in the first verse, it says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, if they've been trapped, if they've been, you know, do you know the enemy? I, I just speak to my grandkids and I say, you know, the enemy wants to catch you. He wants to get you in his trap. He wants to de- immobilize you and hurt you and make your life terrible. He says, if someone is caught in a sin, the, the enemy set the, set the bait and the trap and, uh, and you went for it. And, and what do you do with that? He says, well, if somebody's in that, then you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself. Or you also may be tempted. How, how, do, you, how do you help somebody who's blown it, who's sinned terribly? How, how, do you, how do you recoup from something like that? Well, I mentioned Jesus in John 8 with the woman caught in adultery. Jesus was able to gently deal with her and bring her uh, to a place of, of wholeness and forgiveness. 
I think one of the one of the guys who so impresses me and was so needy was Peter. Here's Peter. Uh, the Lord had appointed him as kind of a head over the apostolic band and a head over the the executive committee of three, if you will. And uh, Peter was anything but gentle. I, I relate to Peter. You know, when he's going to do something for Jesus, what does he do in the garden when they come to arrest Jesus? Pulls out a little knife and cuts off the uh, the ear of the the high priest servant. Uh, and Jesus, come on, put it away. Uh, th- th- that's that's not how we are going to do this. And. Peter had said when Jesus said, you know, you guys are all going to abandon me tonight. Peter said, you know, I don't know about these guys, but you can count on me. I will be there. I'll be there for you. And what happens? Terrible, terrible Peter. Peter says, I, you know, I don't even know this guy when he's confronted. Aren't you one of his followers? I, I don't even know this guy. And he's cursing and swearing. And he had to deal with this terrible failure. And in a sense, to, to deny the Christ you had followed and declared that this was the son of the living God. And now you're, you're in this position that a little servant girl can intimidate you and you say, you, you've never even, you don't even know who Jesus is. And Peter needs to be restored. How's he going to be restored? And so there, Jesus meets with them in Galilee after the resurrection. And uh, there's somebody on shore cooking something for them. And he calls out, hey, fellas, did you get anything? As fishermen would do. He said, nothing. Well, put your net over here. And they're, they're inundated. They're deluged with the, the catch of fish. 153 big ones. They're, they're amazing. And John says to Peter, that's the Lord. And Peter kind of takes off his outer cloak dives in, and here he is standing like a drowned rat before the Lord, soaking wet. It's good time for a confrontation. What do you do with Peter? Jesus, um, there may have been some others, there were a few there. I don't know whether anybody heard this conversation with Peter. But um, he's, he's feeling really awkward. He's blown it. He's wondering, is there any place for him in the future? And here he stands. And Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Lord, I love you. I love you. Peter, feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. Tend my sheep. Third time, Peter, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. And and in that moment, he gently corrected him. And he restored him. And he gave him a ministry. Peter, you've blown it. But I'm recommissioning you. And you're going to go. And you're going to do great things for the sake of the kingdom. Man, how incredible is that? Hey, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you've, you have sinned greatly and you wondered if there's any way back. I want to tell you, there is a God. There is a Savior who's compassionate and loving and gentle. 
And though we don't deserve it, he welcomes us to come back to him. He forgives us. He restores us. My prayer for you is, if that's you, that you wouldn't leave here this morning without, uh, without getting that settled with God. Well, there's one last one here that I have, and it's sharing your faith. Sharing your faith. Uh, we're going to be talking about this in the upcoming weeks, um, but God has given us a responsibility as his people, as his church, to share the good news with other people. How do you do that? Um, how, do you, how do you do that? Some people seem, in that approach, seem angry or judgmental or harsh or I'll tell you what it's about or you know you're this or how, how do you do that? Well, in Peter, he's sharing with us and uh, Peter says this, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then he says this, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you for the reason of the, of the hope that you have. Let me ask you a question. Does your life, how you live your life, does it say that you have a hope that people don't understand? That I don't get what you've gone through, and yet you have this incredible hope. How, how is it that you have that hope? You know, God expects that if we're living the way that we're supposed to live, our lifestyle should beg a question from others. What makes you tick? What makes you, what, what makes you so hopeful? And, and uh, he says this, we need to have an answer. But he says this, um, do this with gentleness and respect. You may want to be a bombastic, I'll tell you, this is the gospel. Listen to me, I'll stand and I'll... And he says, no, no, do it in gentleness. Do it with respect for others. I tell you what, you know, if, if, we, if we were that kind of people, we would see more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ. The world needs to see the gentleness of Jesus, the compassion of Jesus. Um, it, it's beautifully... Uh, refreshing. You know, um, it looks, gentleness looks a lot of different ways. I just had a couple, a, uh, a couple who had a, a baby two and a half months ago, and I prepared them for their marriage, and they had put something on Facebook. And uh, it was the father. He's like six foot five, He's muscular. He's a, he's a, uh, a volleyball player. He can, he can drive that ball down your throat with such ferocity. And I see him with his daughter, who's like two and a half months old. And he is a pussycat. He's ga-ga-coo-coo, and she's smiling at him. And I thought, that's gentleness. Look at this big, strong guy. Look at how tender and caring and loving he is for that. Um, we said that gentleness or meekness is not weakness. Gentleness is, is something else. And one of, the, one of the words that we are definitions for a gentleness is power under control power under control. And one of the ways it's used in the New Testament for this word is it's of the training of animals. So I want you to see, here's a 1,200-pound horse, and on that horse is a four-year-old. And with a little bit and bridle, the horse does whatever 
That horse is gentle. That horse is submission. That's power. Could crush that child. But it's gentle. And that's what we're to be. You know, you can do something because you can. You can do something because you have authority. You can do something because you have power or resources or money. And you can get your own way. That's not gentleness. That's not what it's all about. And we can't confuse gentleness with weakness. I want to tell you there's nobody that was stronger than Jesus Christ that has ever been. Nobody who's like Jesus. He was maligned. He was taunted. He was falsely accused. He was ridiculed. And he didn't fight back. Uh, He was stretched his bare back out for the floggers, and they mutilated his body. And he didn't say, you bunch of so-and-so, stop it. I'll do it. He submitted himself to that. When he hung on the cross in nakedness, he forgave his abusers. He gave directions for the care for his mother. The point is, it's not weakness. It's not helplessness. He could have, he said, I could have summoned 12 legions of angels. I could have summoned 12,000 angels that could have wiped everybody out. He didn't need the angels. He could have just, one word, could have felled them all. But it wasn't. In his gentleness, he submitted that. Not because he couldn't have, but because he did. And he, he could have annihilated them, but he didn't. For your sake and for mine. And that's why we're here today. Because he stayed the course. Because there was power under control. Now we've tried to give you a little something um, to, to help and, and, and look at um, what, your, what your life uh, what your, what your uh, quotient is. We put here down here, uh, what's your gentleness quotient? So we just got a couple, of, uh, a couple of things that I can show you here. Your gentleness quotient. Here's a question. I have to win arguments at all cost. Is that you? Do you know what I'm saying? I got to be the winner. That's not Gentle. I value being strong and assertive in getting my own way. Some people see that as a flaw. <laughs> Other people see, I, I get my own way, watch it. Um, I can take rebuke or correction, even from a subordinate, without becoming defensive or angry. Okay, I'm working on that one. And she's not a subordinate either. <laughs> uh, I can rejoice with the success of others while not achieving myself. See, you start and say, you know, it starts to show what's in our heart. I use power or authority for personal gain. See, those are the kind of things, and and then I, I leave this question with you. One way for me to show gentleness like Jesus is to, what would you fill that in with? Because we're not here just to, for the sake of learning something uh, we're here for the sake of changing our life so it conforms to the image of Jesus. Um, in the Sermon on the Mount, in the Beatitudes, Jesus makes this statement. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. See, <laughs> you thought you were winning by power and coercion and authority and everything you had and your might, and in the end, Jesus said, you know what? It's the meek 
who will inherit the earth. Not you guys who had your own way, who forced your way through. No, no, that's not, that's not meekness. Here's meekness. It's the one who, who uh, submits themselves to God and they find in the end that those are the ones that God exalts. Those are the ones who inherit the earth. So I want to encourage you uh, to find that gentleness in you that the Holy Spirit will make us those people that most reflect who Jesus is. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for this truth. Lord, some of it's hard to hear, and some of it goes against our, our own um, character and our own desires. Lord, I pray that even as gentleness also involves submission, that we would submit ourselves to you. And, and Father, we would know the love of a gentle Savior who has reached out to us and been so kind that, Lord, we would also express that uh, to him as we submit ourselves and, and we see in us the gentleness of our Savior and become more like him, in whose name we pray. Amen.